0: Welcome to the Peaceful Days podcast series, in collaboration with Life is a Hideous Thing, the official Dave Pibus podcast. Peaceful Records, a label that started in 1987 and remains fearlessly independent to this day, one which has never been afraid to take risks and do things differently. Its core mission, to always challenge and push the boundaries musically. I worked there from July 1990 to October 1993, been involved with some of the label's most influential signings. This episode of the Peaceful Days podcast series features At The Gates. peaceful days podcast series episode three with thomas Lindbergh of at the gates doing the uh, initial sort of research i saw you guys were playing download festival
1: yeah that was that was a bit different for us
0: (laughs) well kind of kind of weird because i think one of the distinct memories i have of you guys been at the peaceful offices this was like 94 or 95 you set off in a van on on a small tour in England, and I, I think just about ten minutes later, you guys called us saying we've had a puncture already.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was always you know like pretty punk rock and and very down to earth, and it still is. That's the thing. We arrive at a download, you know, and it was just us and one crew guy. That's you know still the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> we, just, we just happen to know how to cope with that, those kind of situations because we've been along for such a long ride. So we can manage to do that 30-minute changeover on, on a big stage and download. You know, we, we can do that with just us and, and one guy and get there on time and so so on. And we're not, but it's just experience, really. It, we haven't changed and, you know, our attitudes towards stuff hasn't changed. Of course, you know, our precision might have changed that we get these kind of offers, but... Yeah, no, I, I would be as happy to play the, you know, download at all. Like the small stage there was was brilliant. That's what bombers play there, uh, fantastic. I, I kind of, I feel of the energy anyway. You know, it would, w- wherever we go.
0: In Cradle, we had this conversation where some of the guys, at, like uh, attitudes, was like treat every gig the same. If it's like, you know, someone's back garden, we're going to f- kill them. And if it's download, we're going to kill them. It doesn't matter which. And, exactly, yeah. And sometimes, obviously, playing a back garden, I wouldn't get that nervous. And then playing download, I shit myself.
1: <laughs> so it was a little bit different. Well, it, is, it is a bit of both, actually. I mean, if, if you can actually see people in the audience, which you can't at download, and you no. can at, like, smaller places, that can actually scare me more, especially if you kind of know half the people. If you play Gothenburg, for example, in a small club, that's more you know because we we would have to live without the rest of our lives we fuck up there you know but also i think we come to terms with who we are and and that we are very serious about our performance and you know to put up a good performance for for the people that are there that's the thing that's changed over time as well you know with with with, uh with age actually a positive thing with age is like you don't really care that much about how people perceive you in, in in per se you know
0: yeah, fuck them anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of.
0: It's that kind of attitude where, I don't know, I, I, it's only happened since I've left the music biz that I've decided not to really care what people think about me anymore. Because obviously, yeah. like being in a band like Cradle, there's a certain angle of like people that attack you for wearing makeup and being a sellout and all this shit that goes along with it um yeah and in reality i mean you knew me before that i wasn't really that kind of person so
1: most of the guys from cradle that i've known over the years and i know i know a few like if you put them together it would probably be like two or three lineups but you know exactly yeah. they're all they're all pretty, pretty down-to-earth people but yeah I, I i'm totally down with that i wasn't i wasn't away from the whole music scene as you probably were but because i did a lot, lot of small stuff while at the gates was kind of sleeping but I was away from the major like metal scene for for a bit, and that probably that's probably where I changed my mind and attitude about yeah. what is important, you know, getting a family together and all that, and, and a different purpose in life than than just playing metal, you know, like career as a teacher and all that. And so that that kind of made me change my perspective because. All that stuff will still be there, even if we fuck up. If we, even if we recorded an album that people, you know, the comeback record, if it, people would think that was totally shit, yeah, I would still have all the rest of the stuff, and I would still like the record. So <laughs> we are very down to earth when we are on tour as well. We, are, you know, for me, it's very important that I, you know, I kind of figured this out a couple of years back, and and uh, it's not like it's rocket science either, but. I, because I'm a teacher and, and I'm a you know father and and, and a husband and then I'm uh, I'm a singer. But I, I want everybody that I know and me to I don't want it to see me step out in and out of roles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, the kids in class should come should be able to come to a an show and recognize me and not feel like, well, what is he doing here? What what is what is all this? You know what what is his attitude now? Or whatever. And the same thing with my you know musician friends. They should be able to show up in my school. You know i wouldn't feel weird you know you know this stepping in and out, out of roles. yeah also fucks a little bit with your head i think because
0: i've not seen you for like 20 years
1: yeah it's crazy isn't it i mean we have a lot of mutual friends that we you know that i have met during the years but <laughs> we haven't met that's it is it is a bit weird
0: yeah because i was playing with adrian for five years
1: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's that's one of my mutual our mutual friends
0: <laughs> but i A lot of people seem to miss out the very earliest of when you guys started out. So um, that's what I'm interested in. At the Gates sort of ended in, what, 96? And the peaceful sort of angle was, um, because I was like the graphic designer there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, obviously I I worked with you guys on more or less the first two albums. And then the third one, I think you guys at a company do it, and I just got the films for that. And yeah. that was really nice because one the artwork was amazing and two I didn't really have to do anything but stick a barcode on there and it was really awesome and you did everything. And so casting your mind right back to the first album, I guess you guys were speaking to Johnny uh, more than particularly Hammy. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, that that was like the, our go-to guy in, in a way. I mean, you you were there and and Hammy was there, but well, I think Johnny was like the guy we always talked about you know for the for the first one.
0: Well, technically, I, when I started at Peaceville, Hammy wanted me to do the press.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. But but you ended up doing odd.
0: Oh, I hated it so much. And you might relate to this because, especially with your first couple of albums, is that you know I'd get these like new records from new bands, and I'd send them off to like all the press people, and then I'd I'd have to call them a week later and say, "Did you get that record?" And they're like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't like it," and yeah, I'm going to review it and give it like two out of ten. And I'm like, "Please don't." It's you know you. Try and give it a bit more time.
1: Yeah, it's harsh, yeah. And the bands don't really even see that, you know. (laughs) know? Yeah. But we got a a few really horrible reviews for the first one. I remember that. (laughs) It's funny, like nowadays,
0: they all say, oh, yeah, At The Gates, like a classic band, and I was into the first three albums. I'm thinking, no, you weren't.
1: (laughs) No, you weren't. I I love it when, you know, it was like this comment, this, uh, you know how Adrian is, you know. There was was this internet comment, you know, on... on, um, I think it was after our show in Budapest last week and there was one guy, you know, one of those like the old school fans, which I mean, we love all our fans for, you know, but, but he was like listening to this right now. And he, there was like a link to a song of the first record and Adrian just posted, you know, why? <laughs> yeah. Like That's like how cynical we are about it. But it's like, I think any, everything happens for a reason. Those early records, we had to do, you know, all this weird experimentation and you know all that stuff to, to get, get where we were on sort of the so we had to like get our all that youthful enthusiasm out of the way to-
0: you guys had like a very steady progression that was actually quite fast it took about four years from what doing the gardens of grief sort of demo The i remember yeah. johnny was always banging on about it like i want to do the demo like he wanted to do that all the time and he was more underground than even the band, you know, he was like, he signed a lot of really cool bands. But
1: that... well, what is he doing now? We, we just talked about that the other day. What happened to Johnny? Do you know? No. <laughs> Did, I'm, have, I'm... You, have you met him since, since the days?
0: No. I don't even know where oh, he
1: okay. is. Uh, weird, because he was so dedicated to, to the underground as well. I mean, that just, uh, yeah, I've seen it happen to other people. It like, you know, just disappears, the whole nerve for the underground, the whole, you know, but for him, I... Hmm. I couldn't see that. I, I I would see him still being involved as as a fan at least, you know.
0: Maybe he's so underground, we don't know about it. I don't know. Literally. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, when, yeah we are we're we're so overground, so we don't even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's that's probably the fault. Those um, old days, man. Yeah. Crossing the street for, from from the peaceful office to the to the pub, looking the wrong way on the, on the street. You know. That's yeah. I will never forget these memories.
0: Because I I can't remember the first time you guys visited the offices
1: and. It must have been on the first record. It must have been. Yeah.
0: Was it just you uh, maybe
1: maybe the first time it might have just been me or me and someone else doing press but I probably I, I remember the whole band being there. At least once or twice.
0: Because I remember sometimes when,
1: if the ba- if a band
0: was like around, we'd have to put them up yeah. because they had nowhere to stay, and then there might be a day off, so we'd have to entertain you guys and take you out and get <laughs> drunk, and, you know what I mean. But we always did that with all the
1: bands. When whenever we play England, I, I get the same feeling still, you know, because that's that's really where where it all started. You know, of course we had like this one or two years here in Sweden when you know, you are just playing the you know the squats and the the youth clubs whatever, but you know when they actually. We got to be, like, almost a real band being signed to a label and playing shows abroad. It was always England. It feels feel special when we go back there, you know, because it feels like I've been in England so many times now, so it's kind of crazy.
0: So, yeah, going back to the first album, and this was something I t- spoke to Chris about, was that you guys seem to have, like, your first logo. Who who designed your first logo? There
1: like... was always Alf, for the guitar player. He was, he was like, the arty guy of the band. But you can see it, like, you know on the, on the mini album or the demo, you know, he was just, like more crude in a way but then on the first record uh, for the Red in the Sky Hours, Ours he, he, he kind of developed it into this church windows thing. Yeah. Pretty weird. <laughs> well I remember getting
0: that in the in the mail because we used to obviously mail back then and I got this package yeah. with um, the slide for the cover and, um, and then the logo I think it was on like just normal paper. The actual text for the Red in the Sky is ours was actually like biro drawn on a lined piece of paper
1: also Alf. Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy, isn't
0: it? Really basic, um, and then obviously when I got it scanned onto the record, it looked perfect. And then, wh- whose hand is that on the on the cover?
1: That's actually Anders' hand.
0: Right, cool. I never knew As that.
1: As I can remember it, because it's uh, the picture is actually taken by the twins' father. You know, he was a hobby kind of photographer, and I, I think we we had one idea first. This really famous Swedish uh, photographer. Lennart uh, Nilsson, who takes photos like inside people. When I was a kid, he had this great book about like, you know, how how a baby is, you know, in in, in, in the utero and stuff like yeah, that. It's like yeah. inside pictures, you know, really technical photography inside the human body, you know, with this weird camera he had. And he, we wanted one of his pictures inside a human heart as a cover because it was all red, you know, and it was like inside a heart. We thought that was really cool, but I think it was so expensive, and we we held we were stubborn as we always was. We held on to that idea until it came to the point of like, well, either, you know, we have to figure something out in two days. Otherwise we're, we we do not have a cover. And then we kind of did this thing with his, uh, father, you know, this is like a, a stone, like it's shaped as an egg or something. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's the same, same hand and the same stone is in the video for the kingdom gone thing as well. It was probably an idea that I had that, you know, that went somehow symbolic together with the lyrics. But, uh, I'll be damned if I remember that symbolism right now. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> well, it's 25 years ago, of course. It's fine.
1: <laughs> the cover the cover looks good with the colors and, and everything. It really, you know, it's a, it's a very red cover, and people still remember it.
0: I think that was one of the, like, maybe 10th or 12th albums I'd done, and I had all the information and the pictures from you guys, and everything was kind of professionally done, and I really enjoyed doing that. Johnny was always hassling, like, because obviously you were on the sub-label Deaf Records, and so Johnny was on his desk and Hammy was on his desk and Hammy was like you know you gotta do the new album for whoever and Johnny was like oh and in your dinner hour can you do this record (laughs) and I'd be like okay you know just just patch it all together and it was like I think further down the line as I became more confident and Johnny became more confident too that the records on Def became more I don't know they they, they became more professional and that was one of the sort of better ones I did at that time some of the earlier ones were so messy
1: didn't they do Beth Met and Vital Remains on these
0: yeah it because was... that's
1: more like you know it, it looks cool but it, it old school but it looks like demos on a CD yeah I like that style too because it's really like this is underground this is how we do it <laughs> old school
0: yeah well if, if you look at Autopsy's Mental Funeral or maybe even Dark Throne's first album if you look at the back it's a complete mess because they were telling me to use <laughs> like 20 different fonts and there was, all, it was there's no Photoshop back then, so you had to just kind of guess. And then when it came back, you, you couldn't afford to have it fixed. You just had to leave it. <laughs> the, the first album for you guys was very, like, all kind of the same fonts and very clear and kind of professional looking. Um, and I really liked that. It was, it was a very nice album. And then moving on to the second album was even better because I loved the artwork. And then you guys changed your logo.
1: Yeah, yeah and that's the logo we we use now instead we really wanted to because I really like that you know it's like a you know like an old typewriter
0: where did that come from
1: uh I don't know where the font came from actually really maybe I don't maybe it even was you I can't remember the artwork was um I just found it in a book this guy he's written books he's done music he used to be this really cool avant-garde artist in Sweden, this guy who did the cover and I remember, like, we fell in love with that with those pictures, and we just said, like, how much do you want, you know? And his his only thing was like, he said, a commercial record, like, are you, you know, are you, are you playing commercial music? <laughs> and we said, no, no. <laughs> none whatsoever. And then he's just like, yeah, they, yeah, you can have it for free. So he just gave us slides for free. So that's well, that was really cool. I still remember that.
0: I guess the first album was red. You guys were like, okay, we're going to change it to like what's on the slide, which is kind of blue, and that really happened. I'm trying to now remember that. Uh, about the logo, because we'd only just got a computer where you could print yeah. out, you could type, you know, on the screen and then print it out. And then I maybe photocopied the logo like 10 times to break it up. So oh, the, Yeah, okay. so yeah. it looks a little bit like uh, like a font, I guess. But now it's actually real. I actually broke it up with a photocopier.
1: That's cool, because, I mean, yeah, the guy who did the new cover, we, we said we wanted a similar logo as with Fair Rock, Isabella in Darkness on like world with reality, you know. Yeah. And, you uh, know, it's it just break out people's expectations or what the record was going to be you know if it was a sort of a logo people were expecting that if we went all the way back to the first logo yeah. people will be like oh they're, they're trying to please us with this old. so we said like let's do the second one which is really clear and you know and the the guy was like where can i find this font and we <laughs> told him to try try to come as close as possible i think
0: yeah it's impossible so but...
1: I, I, i'll i have to tell him that I, that's actually b- broken up with a photocopier I'll, I'll tell you that
0: <laughs> yeah cuz it, it was i think that was the way i used to do it was um you know to make it kind of like grimy was um yeah, yeah. just fo pho- i mean the photocopier was like a cool very cool tool for a graphic designer because it, it had that effect i guess in photoshop you can do that now but it's not it's not as much fun and well, it, it and it's
1: probably still will have the you know it will be more digital grainy, which is kind of looks weird.
0: And it's, yeah, you can see it's false, whereas this one is actually real. It's actually a physical breakdown of the ink. So that's, I mean, until we just talked now, I didn't realize that. So I can take credit for doing your logo, whereas you take credit for doing yeah. the Dark Throne logo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that, that, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. But that, that was long before they were, you know, they were actually Signed. a professional band, really, you know. And that was again sent to us on a
0: piece of paper that was like Biro.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind that's, of weird. Was like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean and and uh, Gilbert, or I mean Fenris, yeah, Fenris. Uh, has kind of like acknowledged that, you know, the whole actual logo is is me. He did the um, what what happened was they were, you know, they were doing a demo with that, you know, and he wanted Nikke, you know, to do to draw the cover. So Nikke draw this zombie creature coming out of a swamp, whatever it is, and uh and he uh, wanted my logo, so he put them two together and then then it's like, you know, logo by Fenris, Nikki and Tompa, you know. So, wow. so But, but he, I think he like, you know, did little small changes to the logo. But I mean, it is the same thing that I painted on, on a piece of paper when I was on the phone in uh, what it m- must have been like 87 or something.
0: So I'm going to maybe try and, and this doesn't have to go in the interview, but this is just between me and you. Um, I remember the logo coming through and it, it was, I don't know, it was very broken up. And yeah. I think Johnny or Hammy said something like, I don't know, it maybe just I don't know, retouch the ink because it's like broken up a little bit here and there. So I remember, not I didn't alter it. It's, don't worry, I'm not like saying I had anything to do with it, but I sort of cleaned it up a little bit. It's not changed Maybe. in any way. It's just that part of the bio was like wearing away somewhere, and I just coloured it in with black ink or something and made it more solid. And um... <laughs>
1: because what, what it was was like you know normal like ball pen on a piece of paper. That was the, the first one I drew had a skull on it as well, and he took the skull away and put Nick's ah. zombie swamp thing underneath instead of the skull. So that was probably also like him changing it a bit. But he's always acknowledged me, acknowledged me for it, and you know it's, <laughs> it's it's a great little extra thing. So going on to the
0: third album, you change logo again and. That's I, that was obviously not. I had nothing to do with the artwork at all
1: almost we neither I, I would have to say you know because we totally I can't you know the, all these you know because we were always so stubborn you know we were always like we have this idea we're going to follow it through and then we forced everyone to like, like you know we wouldn't compromise a bit and then <laughs> and then, you say that album looks good, but for me, to me, the colors are like too hysterical, you know. And yeah,
0: crazy.
1: Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit much to stomach for a metal album. For me, I really love what they did with the logo. We got to see that first, and that was like that got to be a classic logo after a while. So they really did a really good work. there. But I can't remember how we came in contact with them. I think it was, you know, the guys from Mystery Loves Company. They 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 used them for a couple of albums, and I, I think we just like we just went with it. They were called Frequent Form. It's like a designer company from Stockholm. When I got got the the artwork sent to me, it, you probably had got it. You know, this is probably what happened. You probably sent me a fax of it because I remember getting a fax when I was on doing press for the record in Belgium, and then the fax came through, uh, and the press girl was like showing it to me. That, oh, this is like the new artwork. What, what you know? What do you reckon? And it looked pretty cool in black and white. And wow. also, again, you know, like how how a fax machine kind of smears, making that almost punky photocopied look. That's was like, this is pretty cool. Hey, let, let's go for that. Of course, I, I should have asked which colors are on the cover, but I couldn't. It's very colorful. I was pro- yeah, it's very colorful. I was probably more interested in, like, you know, what's the what's the taste of the next beer in Belgium, you know? And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, go for that one. But that was something
0: I always remember about you guys from Scandinavia, was that you were very interested in alcohol.
1: Um... <laughs> Back in the days, yeah, there that, that was quite a few. I mean, uh, we are pretty mellow nowadays. We We can have, you know, a party night here and there, but... Most of us, you know, yeah, we we we're, we're pretty down to earth. When it comes to shows and stuff, we're super professional, you know, drinking before and all that. Back in the day, when you were like 20, you could probably, probably could drink. 10 beers and still do a good show because you were, you had different stamina. Now I that, that wouldn't happen.
0: <laughs> that's, that's also something that comes with maturity is that you don't mind saying it. Back in the day, you'd be like, oh, I can drink 20 beers, man, I'm cool. Now I'm like three beers, <laughs> man, I'm fine with that. And I don't have a problem with saying yeah. it anymore. So I guess that's a real sign of maturity there. I guess that was the cool thing about back then is that, I mean, I could see you guys every record you were doing was getting more and more professional and sounding better and the songwriting was getting more and more focused you know the sound was really coming along
1: our focus and perspective changed all the time as well we just wanted to you know challenge ourselves really and and when we were 18 we wanted to to challenge ourselves to write music that no one has written before in a way you know what i'm saying yeah mix king crimson with with morbid angel or whatever we wanted to do but then when we turned 20 or 21 that kind of thing we had we had done that we had totally done the weirdest death metal record you can do and and then what is more challenging for us right now to write the more straightforward record because that that was a challenge too to try to strip it down to the bare essential that was another challenge and that's that's why we did that actually and looking back slaughter soul is kind of like every other at record is more challenging and for the for the listener and everything even the new one i think uh, but Sort of Soul is like this insular incident in our history when, you know, 30 minutes of straightforward, you know, verse, chorus, pang. It's all aggression, whereas all the other records are more melancholic and, you know, atmospheric, and even the new one has more in common with the old, older stuff, I think. So it's, that's very insular incident, the Sort of a Soul record, I, I would say.
0: I could see there was, like, a big thing coming for you guys. And I think Adrian might be able to sort of back me up on this because he was in Cradle. And we were obviously touring America like with Osfest and really big stuff. And a lot of people would say, you know, there were young bands like, uh, I can't remember what their names are, Shadows Fall. Um, yeah, all these
1: American bands, yeah.
0: Yeah, God forbid, all these bands. And they were all like, at the gates where the fucking reason I got into metal and all this shit. And, I, you know, we were like, wow, me and Adrian were like, fucking hell, if that would only happened 20 years ago, it would have been cool, right?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. We could see this, like, thing, like, bubbling underneath the surface of, like, you know, everybody was giving you guys credit. For um, for starting something you probably didn't even realize at the time.
1: It was kind of cool. Yeah, exactly, and that that, that, that that's what bands should do more, I guess, like break up them and then let the legacy kind of build on its own, <laughs> so well, you can yeah. just come back and. I think you know, as I said, everything happens for a reason. You know, we we, we wouldn't have been able to write a record like Stutter of Soul if we wouldn't have been the persons we were, and the person we were were the persons who broke up the band when we, when we, when it had the chance to get big because that yeah. was how artistically you know how we were
0: looking back now i mean obviously it's something you can reflect on i don't know i mean you can't change anything but looking back i mean it must be weird like like i say playing download and even like i think i read it might have been on your wikipedia page where it said like number 30 in the top 50 best death metal frontmen. you know and it's like i don't know it's it's weird looking back thinking you weren't doing it for that reason at all you were just getting up there and giving your all and, and trying every record to get better and better and better and obviously you know play it to as many people it was just i don't know something you just did
1: yes it has to come natural i think that's why it still works because that's what we still want to do and as i said you know you know just just before this like the career thing was never there and it still isn't you know because that's why we still want our day jobs even if, you know even if we play download we, we still want our fucking day jobs because it keeps our feet on the ground and we don't have to have at the gates to pay the bills yeah it's like what we do for fun you know well, you know we, we want to expre- express ourselves and have fun together not like a work we never wanted to be a work and then i mean as a kid of course you you know you you were focused on the art and also you were very kind of like aware of how people as we talked about the first thing like how people looked at you and you know you wanted to have more, as much attention as possible when you were 18 of course but you didn't want to compromise with your art so that's yeah it's kind of like a fine balance that's why that's why that we're still here yeah
0: so just to finish on, I've got to I've got to thank Dan Tobin for setting up this because when I asked peacefully if they had any contact with you, they said oh, we can try, and then it went nowhere. So I just messaged like Dan from an old email address, and he replied saying, "Yeah, Thomas was here like two days ago from download." <laughs> Here's his email yeah, address. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So, so I got to. Yeah, thank- we have stayed in touch the whole time, me and Dan, because you know, cause as you were saying, you you kind of left the scene there, but Dan kind of you know joining Eric, he stayed on yeah. with us through through a very important part of our career as well as well as being there you know back in the peaceful days all those people back in the, those days you know that that doesn't just go away that no. kind of feeling you know it's kind of like as a lot of us at least a lot of you English people on, from the peaceful days have played in several of these bands and I think that you know like an Athma Malayan bride, you know, cradle, you shared a pretty hand, pretty, yeah. a lot of members, you know. Or Martin Powell, for example, played him all three, right? You know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, I, I'm just thinking like it, it is for a reason because it's kind of like this connection that will not go away from these old days. We, we did it for the right reason then, where we, st- we are still here kind of lifers in one in one sense or the other you know
0: some people say like you know do you, do you see the scene differently now and i think well the scene back then for us was like it's only 100 people and we're all swapping bands and we can't seem to get anybody stupid yeah. enough to, to get into that circle so i guess it was a scene back then it was like you, you kind of knew everyone and you were fans of each you know I loved Morbid Angel I loved Carcass I loved Cathedral I loved All In Bands I knew them guys personally as well because you, you know you used to go to festivals and they'd be there and you, it, yeah. was, it was like a scene I guess I don't like to use that word particularly because it didn't feel like that at the time we were just all having... but
1: I think it's like you know the equivalent of, of a local scene nowadays you know like when when people know each other but then it was a global local yeah. scene because yeah. it was local because in, in the way that we had this extreme thing in common music that you know if you saw someone with a Morbid Angel shirt on town, you'd be like, freaking out. You know, yeah. who's this? <laughs> why why don't, I, don't I know this guy? So that still happens to me sometimes. When you know, I walk the street and I see a guy with an autopsy shirt. I'd like, I just, like, you know, say hello to him. And after like five minutes, I was like, I don't know that guy. Before, you knew everybody that had an autopsy shirt in really? the world, probably. probably. I mean, it's really. like the first Nihilist shirt. You know, the first one, you know, the one that Chris is wearing for the cover of Civil Survival. Yeah. There was like... There was 20 of those made. And I know Niki yeah, back in the day, because he sent them all out. And I, I have one, of course. You know, and, you know. But it's like he knew exactly which 20 people in the world had that shirt.
0: It's it's always been a question I wanted to ask Phil Anselmo, because um, Dark from he seemed to be a fan of theirs. Yeah. And I was the person who was sending out those promo cassettes that we did for free. Yeah. And Phil said in an interview, like when, uh, I guess when, I don't know, when it was like, 20 years ago he said like oh yeah I got into these cool bands from this cassette I got from Peaceville and I thought surely I didn't influence Phil Anselmo to get into such music
1: but But maybe it was like he found it like a second hand shop or something
0: yeah or maybe he just went to a radio show like and saw it and pinched it or borrowed it or you know they were free anyway and maybe someone didn't like it
1: you can't remember sending it to him personally at least No, no and it was probably I mean? more real as well, you know what I'm saying? They they uh, there was a real thing, you know.
0: Yeah, I I kinda came from that background, so it was like nicer for me, you know, working at Peaceville and then putting the shows together. I, get, I remember yeah. you guys doing a show in Amsterdam, I think, with my dying bride or I
1: can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that.
0: It was like ninety three
1: and the I went to the Paradiso, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: that's and it was the first time I was in the, the audience where I actually felt really proud of what we were doing because nobody yeah. knew who me and Hammy were. But from that initial phone call to sign a band like My Dying Bride and At The Gates and whoever was, you know, you kind of created that yourself just out of all, and an idea and some bit of work with a cover and, you you know, band and all that. And then there's like 500 fans all going crazy. And you think, we just created this out of an idea.
1: Yeah. We were very proud. Uh, That's that's the satisfaction, you know, like, you know, you you have this thing. You look back on it, like, all these different records you've done, whatever, and it's like it all started with, as you say, an idea. It's like, what about this? You know, what about, you know, this riff? And how can we... And then all of a sudden you're on stage and download playing that riff. And it's like, oh shit, what happened here? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you look well, back, it's like, did, did, did we have that riff a year ago? No, we didn't. <laughs> you know, that's weird, isn't it? Still works, doesn't it? <laughs> Very cool. So the,
0: the last thing I wanted to do was, um, I don't know if you remember the Peaceful uh, Sampler, Volume 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the first band on there, we were trying to push at the time, I think it's 92, was Pentagram. Yeah. I've, I had to work with Bobby Liebling a lot. We put yeah. them on the compilation first, trying to push them. And then the last band on there is You Guys with Kingdom yeah. Gone. And I don't know why, I, I, it was like our secret weapon was Death Records. It was like, obviously like, You Guys came through uh, on that label, Therian did their first album there, Pitch Shift, the Vital Remains. It was like, I think Johnny was crazy about Dissection, he wanted to sign Dissection.
1: Yeah, section was on the death metal compilation. I remember that.
0: But it was just funny comparing that, like, uh, you know, Pentagram to to you guys and where you get, you know, the both bands are where you are now. I'm kind of, I don't know, it, it, even I'm surprised when I see people wearing shirts in the street and mind blowing. It really is kind of proud yeah. and, and, in a way, a bit sad. I wish it would have been like that when you guys were really trying back then.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, as I said everything happens for a reason. We we didn't I don't think we ever really became bitter, you know, and not even when we were doing the really small stuff because we you know everything was new. <laughs> so everything was like shit we're doing this. You're too drunk to realize <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe too but I, I think we you know just we came from the bedroom this like you know screaming along to possessed records in the in the bedroom just like three years four years earlier than playing that paradiso show you know so that's that's not a lot of years to, to go that far so that's that we, we were already happy to be there you know what i'm saying
0: yeah it was a very good show i remember that show and i think my dying bride were sleeping in the van outside um, oh shit!
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I remember one of those tours where anathema, and us we slept <laughs> on the on the fucking pavement outside a club in in Holland. Yeah, I yeah. remember.
0: I think I might have been there. There was a mattress outside. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did and on those guys? Yeah, shit. Yeah.
0: So thanks for your time, Thomas. Oh,
1: thank you, man. No, no worries. It was good times traveling back in time for a bit. <laughs> it always feels like that's a special place. And when I look at pictures, like you know, it's really like, you know, shit. This is where we started, really. What came after we slaughtered the soul and all that, that was just like Yeah. That just happened. But yeah. the the peaceful days, that was like that was our start, really.
0: True meaning of underground.